pros and cons. Quickly, we got to accelerate here. Uh, high, the, a pro would be the higher operating level and all the things I've already mentioned. Higher rate of productivity, optimum productivity, freedom for you, acceleration, torque, widespread capabilities. I've covered all that. Greater freedom for you, which, mean, which correlates to greater intimacy with God, intimacy with your family, God's priorities in order, personal mandates, I mentioned those, a bigger vision, a greater anointing. One of the greatest, the greatest testimonies I get is it's given me my life back and my marriage back, my relationship back, and the anointing. The time with God is paying dividends in, one of the pastors came up and shared with me, paying dividends at su the supernatural is occurring again. People are getting healed and saved and delivered because I'm in the Word and I have an anointing on me that was like it used to be before I got overwhelmed with all this stuff. Your destiny. Spiritually, I just mentioned, a protected anointing. The vision is getting accomplished and people have the pulse. You have the pulse. You're, now you're, you're really taking the pulse back there of the guy running the operation now. And we have to learn how to do that. What are some of the cons? Is it sounds great, but we haven't done our homework. So we move too quickly. We move too soon. We're not ready. We haven't discipled sufficiently. We don't have the level of core competency that we will need to move to this level. We don't have a level of skill sets and art forms among those that have been are sitting now around the table with you. We haven't gotten this person here to be 85% of you, at least, and preferably better than you. Insufficient competency, skill, depth. Don't have the infrastructure. And when you move too quickly, you lose momentum, you disrupt a lot of things, you demoralize a lot of things, you frustrate yourself and others. So you, I, I'm not trying to teach you these things to get you to do something before you're ready. So you move too soon. Of course, the, the other side of that is you move too slowly. And then the bigger we become, the harder it is to become who we were meant to be. Or in this case, maybe who you thought you were or who you wanted to be wishfully, but not, are not really. You know, that's what I want to be, so let's move. No, you got to be ready. What you want versus what you actually have. So you want to validate your readiness. Lay the foundation for aligning the top team. You got to have a team that has the ability to align themselves with your strategic intent or your strategic direction. You have to have total unity among this team, mutual respect for one another that you've developed, that you've built. They work together. They'll fight for one another. They'll minister to one another. They'll strengthen one another. 
You, you don't want to be moving back to that chair and have these guys fighting and fussing with one another. Compliment one another. They have emotional maturity to the nth degree. Ex they have extremely healthy communication and facilitation skills. And they have teams underneath them that have 85% of what they have. And those teams down here, or the team over here, this leader has their team, and they function at 85% of the level of this team. Otherwise, don't move. Don't move, because they won't be able to handle it unless they have the 85% of that team and this team. Don't move yet. Consistent, accurate decision-making, fact-based, boundaryless, on-target decision-making, low tolerance for gaps, Gaps, the gap leadership. They know how to close the gaps. They close them as fast as they open, and you just hear about it. A gap occurs, gets out on the table, the facts are out on the table, and they deal with it. And then you find out about it when they report to you. We had a gap, this is how we dealt with it. Or, we have a gap, here's the plan to fix it, can we get your approval? Quickly evaluate, assess, and develop a point of view. So they come to you with a point of view. They don't come to you asking you questions. Questions get solved here. Questions don't even come to this table. Every chair brings an answer. When they bump into an issue or a challenge or an opportunity, they come to this table with answers. For, this, for you now and for this person when you are promoted by God. So you have to eliminate unclear and overlapping responsibilities in your infrastructure, lack of direction and prioritization. You got to make sure everybody understands every chair has five top priorities and every chair around this table has five priorities and everybody works on priorities. Insufficient resources would be, you got to eliminate them. You may have to say no to certain things because they're good but they're not great. And we could do more greatness if we could eliminate some of the good. That may sound, what? Okay, let's talk about the, the reason why it's harder to be, the bigger you become, the bigger you become, the harder it is to become who you were meant to be, who you were destined to be who you were designed and formed and woven in your mother's womb to be. I'm going to go quickly here, but i give you enough of a taste. There's a term that, that a lot of secular CEOs use and we used to have. It's called a BAU, B-A-U which means business as usual. When we sink into a, bit, a bow, B-A-U, a business as usual mentality, oh, we just, I know what my job description is, and I've done that, so, you know, that should be enough. You ought to be happy, pastor or leader. You know, I did it. A bow, a business as usual. Or, you know, I, I got the routine. Yeah, I know, and, you know, we settle in. Some of you may have settled in as CEOs, as leaders. And I, so that's why I'm trying to challenge you here. 
We settle in. We, the, the bureaucracy takes over. We have entitlement creeps in. Hey, listen, I've been serving here for years. Doesn't that count for something? What do you mean, I have to be accountable for everything? You know, I've been accountable for 12 years. Now suddenly, you know, that's not enough? You're not happy with my effort anymore? That's settled in? Unaccountability? Sink into maintenance instead of innovation, which would be the last thing? <clears throat> Entitlement? I have seniority? Discipline breaks down, problems start surfing it, surfacing again. And they will. I mean, the, the further you go, the problems get tougher, bigger, and more, you know, think about it. You're creating more volume. You got more projects and, and arrows coming down. There are going to be more problems. And if you're the only one who can solve them, you're not going to make it anywhere past the first D there, if that. So... <clears throat> become complacent. Let me just rattle these off, and they'll be in the product, so you can't... Become complacent, self-protective, less, initi less initiating. I like this. There's a gentleman here that gave me a book from a gentleman who is, I think, the third richest guy in, the, in this nation. He owns the largest privately held company in this, in, in, in this nation. He has a $90 billion company. You know, he's getting something done. And, and he is about a, he and his brother own the company, and they are $25 billion rich guys. Okay, and he said, it's often more difficult to overcome success than adversity. So that amplifies on what I am telling you here. We're not providing new opportunities. Everybody kind of settles in, and you're not challenging them to be innovative and to present new opportunities and to take what's now working and build upon it. We establish something, and then that's enough. Let's move on to something else. Well, what about taking this and building upon it? Otherwise, we don't have compounding success, and every arrow has to be compounding. Now we just do it once, and that's enough but we take it and build upon it. Failure to recognize and capitalize on changing conditions. Things change. Are we capitalizing? Over, over a period of time, we get over-specification. This is interesting. Over-enforcement, over-regulated, overbearing. It's one of the reasons I, I, you know, you can have job descriptions, that's nice, but what that creates a lot of times is a box. Oh, I see, this is all I have to do. If I just do this, I don't have to go and do anything more than this job description that they wrote for me. I'm not really crazy about those. You can have them if you want them, but you better have self-initiative and, and innovation and thinking in there. <clears throat> Out-of-touch assumptions, we become know-it-alls. There's a good example of that. Uh, Soviet Union then had nail factories and their output was based on the weight of the nails that they produced. So they built big, fat, heavy nails. Consequently, they didn't have any thin nails to do carpentry work. They just had big nails. 
that's, that's what a good example. I just came across that. A good example of, you know, being overregulated. Sprawl. Ministry sprawl. You know about urban sprawl, right? The, the neighborhood, it's, the cities spread out, sprawl out, into the, and everything expands. I mean, when I first came here 15 years ago, you know, there wasn't anything between town and here, virtually, right? There was just the gas station and that crummy restaurant you used to take me to. And <coughs> that, that was all, I think. It was pretty bad. Yeah, so, but now they got a hospital down there. Talk about hearing from God. God asked him one day, would you sell your home for me? And he and Susan said, yes, we would, sir. And he said, okay. Because they wanted that land next door. They own nine acres of woods over there. They're believing on their anniversary that it's going to get paid off. Okay. But they, they wanted that land. He said, well, would you, would you be willing to sell your home? And they said, yes. And then, as it turned out, he said, you don't need to sell your home. I'm just checking. <laughs> just checking. But they got the land, favorably, God's favor. Yeah, that's why we need to hear from God. That's why you need to be intimate with God. This is not a game. This is not a good theory. And you know that, but the insidiousness of all this can pull you away from that. That's why it ends up being a six or a seven. Sprawl. So sometimes future success comes from what you say no to. Amen. Editing, purging things. They worked here. But now we could do much more with the resources that we have. Letting go of something good for something far better. For example... Listen to this. A Prussian officer, Karl von Clauschwitz. Who said that? Thank you, sir. Do you know him personally? Were you? Pardon? Not quite that old. No. Were you in his infantry? You're just a scholar of history? Okay, help. you tell me if I get this right then. All right, or either te maybe tell me at the break. We have a lot of breaks. Just <laughs> what a war is meant to achieve and what it can achieve. He said everything in a war is very simple, but the simplest things become more difficult. These difficulties accumulate and produce a kind of friction. Countless minor incidents we can never foresee combined to lower the general level of performance, which without focus, innovate, innovation, and change, we fall far short of the intended goal. That should help you. Better, harder it gets. Now, how about this? You know how hard this is for you right now, some of you? Those of you who are brand new are going to go back to the ranch and you're going to find that this is difficult because people are going to dig their heels in, you know? Oh, that's stuff you from, that, that's all corporate stuff, you know? This, we're, we're Christian here. We don't, 
we, we don't need accountability. We're Christian. And where did you come up with that stuff? You know, and that guy was trained in the military and in the corporate world. You know, he, we don't know. That's not the way it works here. It, it hasn't worked that way, so that's why they think it doesn't work. That, that, that thing, it works the wrong way. So, but you, you're going to be struggling to get people to rise to a new level with this. That's why I told you yesterday, don't compromise, don't give up, make a commitment, embrace it, and ta- take, hold tight and march through. And look, if you can just find one person to get on your team, right here, Aaron or her, one person, they believe in you, they believe in this, then work with them and let the others go. Amen. I mean, we don't, we're not trying to get rid of them from the church, but we, we just get them out of the way because they're going to inhibit you. They'll wear you down. They will wear you down. So think about this, though. You're, you're, and those of you that are further along, you know the challenges that you had to work with the people that God entrusted to you, right? Okay, now, you've been sitting here in this chair, and you've got the best of the cream of the crop here. The, I mean, hopefully they're the best. If they're not, something wrong here. These should be the best. I, I, there have been pastors who said, oh, I can't take the best. You know, I need to get them to them. What? Who came up with that? You've know, you got to have the best. You're the most, you have the most important position. Get over it. So you, you've got, you're working with the best. This person and the other five with their teams are not working with the exact best. These are people less inclined to change than yours. These are people more going to dig their heels in and rebellious. These are people less righteous than that group. These are, and the list goes on. Okay, So your people, the ones sitting around this table, have a harder job than you had. And you remember how bad it was, right? Think about them. That's why discipleship is so important, and that's why it is harder for us to grow the bigger we get. And then think about this team. Here's the B, there's the A team. Here's the B team. Think about the C team. And the leader of a C team, here, this leader, or right here, this leader right here with this team, where these people are. They just came out of the pipeline. Are you with me? It's another reason why it's harder. I think you got the picture. I want to talk to you before we have to have another break. Um, I want to talk to you about the partnership for pastors because this is too important for you. You, you must have reinforcement. I'm here at the Global every year. I'm at different locations around the states every six months. But this isn't that your learning is not dependent upon me. I'm honored that I get to be here and share. But those that have worked it and done it, you heard them last night, some of them, they, they have jewels to 
transfer to you because they've done it. They're the proof of the pudding. They've made the mistakes. They've worked the systems out. They can share with you things that they've done to get you here. I'm giving you, essentially, I'm giving you the, the system and the theory of it, but they've done it. I've done it too, but I mean, they, they're, they've done it. They're doing it right now. And somebody asked, not somebody, several asked me last night, can we invite people to these? These are great. You know, yes. <laughs> Woo. Obviously, I made that clear. Bad direction on my part. Yes, I don't know the people you know. I don't know them. You know them. You can invite them to any place that I'm at. Go on the website. And I want, I'll, be, I'll be next in, uh, well, you probably don't want to go to England with, it, with me. Or send, or send people there. You may know people in England, though. You may know people in Bonn, Germany, or in Europe somewhere. And, but in the States, be a groupie yourself, but send people, yes. I, I want to make sure that that's clear. The only way I can reach them with this system. My mandate is what? Reach as many pastors in my lifetime that I possibly can. And we spent in an advisory board meeting the other night and we're gonna have more of them. I have to leave a legacy. There needs to be a succession plan and we're gonna have that so that this work can continue. But I, but I wanna share with you, please invite people to come to this. A lot of you leaders know pastors or you had a pastor. And in another location, now you've moved here. Please invite people. The answer is yes. It's tuition-free everywhere you go. Now, last night, yesterday afternoon, I gave you the Partnership for Pastors packet. This is about you. This is for you. But I gave you this, this packet, Partnership for Pastors. And hopefully you read it. And if you didn't read it, just listen to me for a few minutes, I'll explain it. I won't take you through the whole thing. The facts are in here that I told you about yesterday. How many of you did read it last night? I knew we shouldn't have had the fellowship. You feed them and then they go to sleep. Don't read anything. <laughs> the partnership for pastors. Pastor Jose Jimenez, come up here, would you please? I love this man. I haven't seen him for... I think he told me 12 years, 10 or 12 years, when neither of us, he's gotten a lot older, he can't remember. <coughs> this is, give, would you give, this is Pastor Jose Jimenez. Love you, man. Some of you have heard the story about Jose. And uh, back 10, 12, we don't know how long, he, he, heard, he actually received one of the brochures we mailed out, right? And, and he, he, he called me, and he said, you know, we can't afford to come to this thing. You're charging $2,500 a head. He said, we can't afford it. We're, we're a beginning Hispanic ministry in Las Vegas, and we can't afford it. And could, is there any way we could come somehow? I mean, I'll pay you what I can and everything. I, and Carol and I were scholarshipping pastors at the time. You know, and God said, what are you doing? I, I didn't tell you. To, first of all, I don't want you charging 2,500 bucks anymore. And, he, and it said, so then we thought, well, 
then we should scholarship all these people. He said, you, you, th you think you can accomplish my vision on your limited income? <laughs> so he, I said, write me a letter, sir, and let me know what you'd like to have happen. So he wrote me a letter. He said what I just said. And I said, Carol and I will scholarship you. We'll, you come and we'll take care of you. And he says, I got to read. You're as important as the mega minister. And so you come. And that was, this was one of the reasons why we started the partnership for pastors. And he came. And he was so grateful. And uh, he, at the, when he first came, you had, what, 200, what would you tell me? A couple hundred people, Hispanic people. Many of them not speaking, not bilingual, right? Yeah, you had some challenges, particularly with leadership and all the language barrier, whatever. How many do you have today? About 3,000. About 3,000. Thank you. Thanks to you and the work. Thank you. Thanks to you and the work. Thank you. I was saying thank you for believing in us. Thank you for believing in a small group that some of you guys have. I heard that you started in a front store. We were not in a front store. We were in a storage behind the uh, Chinese, uh, town, Chinatown is called. And uh, next to us was a, an onion storage thing. So people would cry in there, not because of the anointing, but sometimes because <laughs> of the onions. But <laughs> but I, I, I said to, I called him and I said, look, this amount is probably what we pay in, more than what we pay in rent. And I told him something along those lines. I said, uh, if I have an opportunity to learn what you have, what I read here, I bet you, it will be a good investment. Give me an opportunity, and I will help you take what God has put in you to many places because I didn't know how to do it. I told them, I don't know how to do it. I just know that thousands of people need to be saved, and I don't know how to do it. I don't have Bible college. I don't have formal education. All I know is that thousands of people need to get saved. And I said, give me an opportunity. And he said, just write me. And that's what I put in my letter. And today, uh, I want to thank you for that. We couldn't pay much rent back then. Um, we learned the principles, you know, the, the funnel, the triangle of communication, the, all those things that, that I heard big corporations were using. And thanks to the ministry of Dr. Radke and his opportunity and his generous heart. Because I remember after a year or two, you sent us a personal check for me and Dinora to go check a children's ministry. It was a personal check. It wasn't a ministry. I remember that. So I know that you have a heart. And, and I don't know how to thank you now. I just want to say whatever... Ten years ago, I told you, whatever you can do for us, it will be a good investment. It will go to thousands of people. Today, I can say, thank you. It's going there, and it will go farther. And now I'm here to serve you in any way we can. Thank you.
love you, man. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And you gotta come to me. Thank you for hearing the voice of God. Thank you for hearing the voice of God because you, you've been, see, we, we, we don't know this. Some of you guys know this stuff, this corporate stuff, and I didn't. I don't know that stuff. All I know is that thousands of people need Jesus, that dozens of sick people need healing, and that it's current, it's happening, but it, there's always a key divine contacts that God puts in our path. And he knows this. He knows he's a corporate man. He, he was a big, huge you know, corporate man. He could have kept, kept that for himself or to his benefit. But to be doing this, and I didn't know, that struck me really hard when you told me that the ministry institute, as it is now, started in that time when that letter went out and you said, how can I help these small churches? And I wanna, I wanna thank you for that. I wanna thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. You, you, you have thanked Carol and I with the thousands of people you're touching now, Pastor. That's more than enough thanks. And I wanted you partners to hear that because uh, that's what you're doing. That's what you've been doing. They're all over the world now because of your sowing. You send, oh, you send me to the nations. That's what it produces. That's the fruit. That's what you've done. Every single one of you, your sacrificial giving, your faithfulness, your prayers, your encouragement. Working the program is an encouragement. And so I'm so delighted. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know that he was going to do that. I just wanted him up here to, you know, to, he's one that you've helped. Thank you, sir. And, and uh, I, I just, I, I don't need to say much more. How many of you would like to send me to the nations? And how many of you would like to touch more people like Pastor Jose? How many of you that are not partners would like to do that? 